Well, good morning, Calvary. Uh, Forgive me if I still have any of the makeup left on there from yesterday. Mr. Trump uh, made a visit, and I am still recovering from seeing Bernie Sanders sleeping on our lawn. (laughs) What a great time. What a great time. Listen, have you been enjoying this series that we've been in on the Holy Spirit? It's been really, really good. It's been refreshing. You know, when we begin to focus on the Holy Spirit, um, I believe he comes and he begins to move in our life and he activates things that maybe we didn't even realize were there. And uh, I just want to want to encourage you today that if you haven't heard all of the messages in this Holy Spirit series, go back on the website, InvernessCalvary.com, and listen to those messages. Uh, Pastor answered some great, some great questions. You know, is he a person? And I tell you, if you ever get a revelation that the Holy Spirit is a person, your, your relationship with him will be revolutionized. And today... I'm going to, uh, you know, I love this title that uh, from today. If you have your notes, you'll see that there are just blank notes, a note page for you today. That means you should get really active in writing some things down and uh, jotting some scriptures down because uh, uh, I, just, I just decided that we would go with the least controversial title of all when we're talking about the Holy Spirit and it is simply this, does he speak in tongues? Does he speak in tongues? And I know that Probably for some people in this room, when I say that, uh, you know, you, you, you might get a little nervous. Well, uh, you should never get nervous when we're talking about God. And if you're uh, like me, you know, I was in a little bit different environment growing up. And the things about the Holy Spirit, uh, I, I, I was ignorant of them. And ignorant doesn't mean Uh, stupid or empty-headed, it just simply means you don't know. And the Apostle Paul said this about the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. He says, brothers, I do not want you ignorant. I don't want you uninformed about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to dive in here today and find out some things about Speaking in tongues. Before we go there, let's open up in a word of prayer because we need the Holy Spirit and his ministry to fully receive what he has for us today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful church. Thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you've been working and moving and positioning us for greater things in your kingdom. And Lord, we say today, God, would you give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us? Lord, we want to understand your word. And Lord, with all of our hearts, Lord, we want to cooperate with whatever you have for us. Father, I do ask, Lord, that whatever words, Lord, I speak in my own strength, Lord, that I wouldn't even say those. Lord, I want to say what you're saying. I do ask, Holy Spirit, for you to be the loudest voice in this room. Speak to your sons and daughters clearly today. In Jesus' name, amen 
Amen. I, w- I do want to let you know, uh, last week there was some really, uh, some awesome ministry that happened in the altar uh, both in first service and in second service, there were people uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. Uh, there was, uh, I shared a testimony about a young man who uh, received a healing in youth uh, uh, from a fractured ankle. Well, at the end of second service, there was uh, a young lady, she was about 80 years old, and um, uh, she came up and has, she's been wearing a brace for a long, long time. And she said this, I know when I receive prayer, I'm going to be healed. And I'm telling you, at the end of second service, there was a celebration unlike I've seen in here in a long time. When, when the shoe came off and the brace came off and she began to walk around in here and praise God because all of the pain was gone, the need for that brace to be under the foot and up the leg and wrapped around, completely healed. I watched her walk up to the, to the banquet yesterday and I said, well, you know, I just want to, I, I don't want to be in doubt, but you know, I, I found myself looking down to see if the brace was back on there. I said, nope, still gone. Still, uh, still just walking in the healing of the Lord. Now listen, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you today about the ministry of the Holy Spirit as it pertains to your prayer life and praying in tongues. Now there's something I want you to understand from the, the very, very beginning. And if you've been around Pentecost for very long, you may not have ever heard it described this way, but I'm going to describe it this way so that you gain an understanding. There is something you need to understand that there is a gift of tongues, one of the nine manifestational gifts uh, mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, that are given for the profit, the good of all in the church. There's, there's nine manifestational gifts. Now, when that gift is in use, that needs interpretation. And I'll explain to you why. So there is a gift of tongues described in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. But there is also a grace of tongues. There's not only a gift of tongues, but there is a grace of tongues. You see, the word grace comes from this word charis. In the Greek, it's the word that you use when you would say that person is very charismatic. That person is very charismatic. When we get our word charisma from it, it's actually uh, uh, two words in the Greek kind of put together. Charis, meaning grace, ma, when you add the ma to it, it makes it gifted. So it would be grace gifted. By the way, everyone in the body of Christ has a gift from God. Amen? Everyone in the body of Christ has a gift from God. So if anyone ever asks you, are you charismatic? I'm not giving you the cultural definition. I'm giving you the biblical definition Everyone who's in the body of Christ is charismatic. 
Everyone. Everyone is grace gifted. Everyone. And I want to share with you today that there is a grace of tongues that is for everybody. You see, the gift of tongues is a message from God to us. It's a message from God to us. And that needs interpretation so that we could be built up. That's, that's the Bible. But there is a grace of tongues that is a prayer language for everyone. And here's how you can remember the difference. Just remember this. Grace is for everyone. Grace is for everyone. To anyone who would receive it. If you were to go out and share Christ in, in our community, you would say, God's not withholding his grace from anybody. And I, listen, church, God's not withholding the grace of tongues from anybody. Now we'll talk about that in a little, in a, uh, dive into that subject today. Grace is for everyone. Gifts manifest through some when the spirit moves on them to do so. Here's how, here, let me give you a little example about this so you can just begin to frame your ideas. Listen, the Bible describes that there is a gift of giving. You believe that? There are people in the body of Christ that they are especially gifted to sacrificially give. But everybody can be generous. We're all called to be generous, but then there are those who have the gift of giving. It's the same thing. There are those who are used to give a message to the church in tongues, and then there are those who are used by the Holy Spirit to supernaturally interpret that message so that the body is built up. But everybody can pray in tongues if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So let me give you just a few things today because I really want to get to a time where we pray for people at the end. First thing you need to know about this topic today is that tongues, it is scriptural. It is scriptural. Now, if you want to turn to uh, the main passage today, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to spend a lot of time here. We're also going to look at Luke chapter 11 today. And I have some other scriptures that you might want to jot down. It is scriptural. Let's walk through this together. In 1 Corinthians 14 2, the scripture says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. I want you to notice who the message is directed toward. It says he does not speak to men, but to God. Now, now just Work with me. What is it called when people speak to God? Prayer. It's prayer. This is prayer. And I want you to notice these three words. In the spirit. 
Paul then describes this prayer with these very key words. In the Spirit. Now, can all believers pray? Absolutely all believers can pray. And this is something that God wants to bring us into a little deeper understanding. Now, let's skip down to 1 Corinthians 14. 14. It says this. For if I pray, there it is, very clearly. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Let me just... Let me just help you just a little. That word understanding 21 other times is, is translated mind. It's translated mind. And so what you need to understand about your prayer language and praying in tongues is that your mind doesn't understand it. You don't understand. Your understanding is unfruitful. So what's the conclusion then? Listen, he says, I will pray with the Spirit. In and with are prepositions, and they're used interchangeably in Paul's description here. It says, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. So what's he saying when he says, I will pray with the Spirit? He's talking about praying in tongues. Do you see it? I will pray with the Spirit and I also pray with understanding. He said, I will sing with the Spirit. What's he talking about? He's talking about singing in tongues. And then he says, I will sing with understanding. Otherwise, listen to this, if you bless, bless is another word for prayer. Anybody ever said that? Let's bless the food. What did you mean? It's a prayer. He says, if you bless with the Spirit, you see that together. What's he talking about? In tongues. How will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? What's that? What is that saying again? Giving of thanks is what? Prayer. Since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks. There it is again. Prayer, for indeed, you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. You need to see this. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses the terms in the Spirit and with the Spirit when he is describing praying and singing in tongues. Now listen. If you come from a little different background, don't get mad at me. Do not, we're just reading the Bible. We're reading the Bible. Don't, don't, just because you come from a different persuasion or you maybe, you, maybe, I'll be honest with you. There were entire portions of scripture I had never even heard. Because the focus was on a different area of scripture. It could, could it be that today that God is just saying, I'm going to unfold this to you and it's been here all along. So don't get angry and if something rises up on the inside of you when you're reading the Bible, 
probably the, pro- the problem is not the Bible. It's probably something going on inside of us. This used to happen to me because of the kind of church I grew up in. Listen, Paul calls praying in tongues with the Spirit and in the Spirit. I want you to see what verse 18 has to say. This is wonderful. The Apostle Paul was so overwhelmed with God's goodness and use of this gift, he he just tells the Corinthians, I pray in tongues more than you all. He said, I pray, I'm using this, this language more than all of you. I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, when you read the whole of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the, it, it is telling us the, the what and the when and the how of how to function in the things of the Spirit. And why would there be instruction about how to flow with the Holy Spirit in prayer if God didn't want us to? Listen, I, I, I understand what it's like to be from a perspective that is just, it, it's different. But can I, can I read to you what verse 39 says? This one, this one may blow you away. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. It says, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid speaking with tongues. It says, do not forbid it. I've been to churches that forbid it. That's dangerous. When you do something exactly the opposite of what scripture says to do, it could be spiritual blindness. And sometimes the way we think about the scripture can blind us. That's blindness. Or, I've heard this too, Well, we believe in it, but we don't teach on it because it'll confuse people. I wish, I wish my calculus teacher would have said that. (laughs) We don't teach people that it will confuse people, especially when it involves friction. Listen, confusion in the church only flourishes in the absence of biblical teaching and pastoral responsibility. Confusion in the church only flourishes in the absence of biblical teaching and pastoral responsibility. It is our responsibility as gifts given by Jesus to you as the saints of God to equip you thoroughly for the works of ministry according to Ephesians chapter 4. And we here at Calvary will not avoid any subject in the Bible. And I have to tell you, there, there, there are all kinds of arguments. I can remember the very first time 
when somebody told me that these things weren't for today and I had already experienced them. And then they went to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and he says, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away with. And it says, when the, where there are tongues, they will cease. And they said, well, we got the Bible and it's perfect. And by the way, it is. The Bible is perfect, but the Holy Spirit did not cease from existing in 393 when we canonized the scripture. And the, the, the Bible is not the perfect one that it's talking about there. He's talking about Jesus because it says one day we'll see him face to face. He says, and then we'll know. It also, by the way, in that same, same scripture, it, it says, when that which is perfect has come, it says tongues will cease. It also says, and knowledge will pass away. So the person that says that knows nothing. All knowledge passes away. That's what it says. Because face to face with Jesus compared what we know now compared to what we will know then, it will seem insignificant. It's like, but has knowledge ceased? No, matter of fact, by our best es estimates, especially in the fields of technology, it's doubling about every six months. I recently watched a, that there has been a discovery in the area of curing cancer where they are hiding medicine wrapped in DNA. This is so cool. They are hiding medicine to kill cancer inside of DNA. So the cancer picks up that there's DNA, consumes it, and then the medicine kills the cancer. Guys, we are in one of the greatest seasons of exploding knowledge that we've ever been in. Knowledge hasn't passed away. And neither has the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to pray and to not be confused. Well, not only is it scriptural, it's a benefit. It's a benefit. You can write that down. It's a benefit. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That's talking about praying in a tongue. Edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I want you to see there's a word there, but it's in, I believe it's in the, the Bible about 2,700 times. It's a conjunction. Uh, newer translations uh, translate this word on the other hand. So that scripture would read, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And on the other hand, he who prophesies edifies the church. There's a contrast there, but he's not trying to say that tongues is insignificant and you just throw it away. He's saying, this is something that should be going on privately. And on the other hand, prophecy or prophesying in the church it edifies the church. He says, there's a private prayer language and there are gifts to be used publicly. 
I want you to understand something. When you pray in the spirit, you edify yourself. Edify simply means this. It means to build up. Edify means to build up, to strengthen. Maybe, maybe if I, maybe I, I could put it this way so you can really grasp what uh, verse four is saying. He who reads the Bible in private edifies himself. But he who reads the Bible in public, in church, edifies the church. Do you understand the significance of what, uh, what that comparison is? It's saying, listen, in the church, Paul, Paul even says, he said, I'd rather, I'd rather just speak five words that are understood that build people up and thrust them deeper in their walk of God than 10,000 words in a tongue that nobody else gets edified but me. And so I want, I want to encourage you today that praying in tongues is a benefit. It's a benefit of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Many of us are really familiar with Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we find the armor of God. And I'm not going to read the entire uh, passage of Scripture, but we've been making a mistake in the church for a long time. For a long time. That is, we stop a verse where there is no period. I'm not really good at English, but I do know that periods mean stop. And semicolons means we're going to continue the thought. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. It says this, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, semicolon, The armor's not over. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Look at this phrase. In the spirit. Now, now we all know that the breastplate of righteousness... The helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the feet that are prepared with the gospel of peace. You know what that is? That's a believer that's been edified by God. That's a believer that is edified, built up, and ready to go out to do ministry. However, we've been stopping short of understanding the rest of our edification in the armor of God. That we are to take everything that God has supplied as a benefit to us and pray it out in the spirit. We find here in Ephesians chapter 6 that when we're praying, we are actually asking God to be protected and provided for when we're praying in the spirit. That's what it says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Listen. When you pray in the spirit, you're being protected and provided for. 
In the same way God provides the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, his word, which is the sword of the spirit. In the same way that he's provided all of those things and we as believers gladly lay hold of those, we ought to also gladly lay hold of this benefit through the Holy Spirit. Look at Jude chapter 20. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you build yourself up in the Holy Spirit? You pray in tongues. You pray in the Holy Spirit. You pray in the Spirit. And it builds you up. It builds you up. Now, I just have this one question for you today. Why wouldn't you want that? I want that. I want to wake up fully equipped by God to face whatever I'm going to face that day. I want to wake up, built up, my faith alive and rising, ready to tackle whatever is coming my way. Listen, your prayer language is a benefit, and we as the body ought to pick up that benefit and begin to pray in the spirit and be edified and built up. The third thing I want to say today is this. It's an opportunity. Praying in the Holy Spirit, it's an opportunity. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you have the opportunity to pray in tongues. Now listen, last week we gave you a list of six or seven scriptures that showed you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for all. It happened in Acts 2, it happened in Acts 4, Acts 10, Acts 19. We see it uh, throughout the scripture that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for all. Now we're going to take a quick look at Acts chapter 19. And I want, to, well, I want to show you how the baptism of the Holy Spirit opens the door to this opportunity. Acts 19.1, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I just want to pause just right there. Why would the Apostle Paul ask that question if it was impossible? Because I've heard people say, well, no, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit when, you know, when I got saved. Okay. Well, how did you know? The Apostle Paul actually says to these disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And look what they said. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. They're like, how would we even know? We haven't been taught anything. So he said to them, 
And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means in water. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Look at this. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. What happened when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit? They prayed in tongues and prophesied. They prayed in tongues and prophesied. That's how they knew. The assemblies of God uh, in our 16 fundamental truths, they actually write the line this way. We believe that the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is this prayer language, speaking in tongues. Now, I'm going to tell you some stories that, that you're going to say, well, well let, me, let me put a little question mark on that statement. But that statement is true. That statement is true. And here's why I'll tell you. Anytime in the book of Acts somebody got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it mentions that they were praying in tongues as they did in the beginning. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. And I I just want to say to you, don't try to just step outside the counsel of Scripture because you have maybe a little different experience for whatever reason. Believe me, I know that God can move and does move in amazing, miraculous ways. And He overcomes all kinds of barriers in our lives. But the scripture declares to us that when people were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke with tongues. They received this prayer language and functioned in prophecy or the gift of tongues. It says, now notice the words of Paul that he used after he himself was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 14, 14. So here's, here's the picture. That when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can now pray in tongues. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can now pray in tongues. And now we, we, we come back into 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and we find Paul after he has been baptized with the Holy Spirit and he's teaching the Corinthian church how to function in the grace of tongues and the gift of tongues. Notice what this says. For if I pray. Notice this word, if. That means he has a choice. I've heard that all kinds of things. You know, well, you know, if, uh, if God wants to give me that gift, he'll do it. As if God's just going to come down and reach into someone's mouth and just begin to shake their tongue himself. Says, Wow. Well, for most of us, it doesn't work that way. Most of us have to take advantage of the opportunity that's been given to us because we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and we cooperate with him. He said, if I pray, that means he has to choose to pray in the Holy Spirit. I'll show it to you even further. He says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will. 
It's a choice. It's a choice to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. He says, I will pray in the the Spirit and I will pray with understanding. I will sing in the Spirit. (laughs) That's the one that most people don't approach because they're like, oh, I can't sing. You just let it go at home, man. Just, just sing in tongues all that you want. Go for it. But notice this, it's a choice. And in the same way that we could be in a worship service uh, and there'd be a great song playing and many people singing and you have a choice to sing, you have a choice to pray in the Holy Spirit when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you can choose to cooperate with the ministry of the Holy Spirit and pray in the Spirit with the Spirit or not. Listen, we can choose to cooperate with the Spirit in tongues in prayer. It's a decision you make. Matter of fact, why would Paul give instructions on how to use it and when to use it if you didn't have a choice? We've just got weird, weird ideas. We're like, man, if I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, am I going to grow my hair out huge and dye it blue? No, no. We've got the wrong idea about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He is not weird. Some of you are thinking, I think I kind of like blue hair. Um, Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. People are weird. Holy Spirit is not weird. He's God. He's God and he's good and he's full of love and peace and joy and life. He is good. He's not weird. The way people respond to him, that can be weird. It can also be very rare. People cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And I've said this before, but it bears mentioning again. Just because something's rare doesn't make it weird. It actually makes it valuable. Gold is rare, but you wouldn't call it weird. And if somebody were trying to give it to you, you would gladly receive it. Even though it's not widely available all over our parking lot. If somebody came and said, would you like to receive some gold? You were like, wow, that's rare. Yes. That doesn't make gold weird. It makes it valuable. And a person filled with the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to walk in something rare in the earth that God wants to give to all his sons and daughters. Now, let me answer a concern that some of you might have. I mentioned that I have a church history, that I grew up in a church where everything was the devil, except what we had going on. We planned revival. It was three days in the springtime usually. We knew when it was coming. We knew when it would be over. I understood that if you wanted to be a deacon in the church, you had to smoke between Sunday school and regular service outside in a circle. 
this is what I learned about church as a young person. Okay. That's I'm, I'm just in church. I'm just saying anybody else go to that church. I won't look. Yeah. I, I went to that church, you know, so I understood that, you know, they, they were good. They attended, but you just had to go outside and smoke between services. Then you could come back in and, and, you know, take up the offering and do everything else. Um, my church history though, and what they taught us is that all these things of the spirit, they were the devil. And you may be here today and you think, you know, I don't want to pray for the Holy Spirit. I may open myself up to something demonic. I might open myself up to to something I don't want. I don't want a demon. And I, I want to say this to you today. It's as if God knew you were going to say that. It's as if God knew that somewhere down the line, somebody would say that the ministry of the Holy Spirit could be from the devil. When we find something amazing in Luke chapter 10, Jesus said to his disciples, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. I want you to notice those two words. Serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. What is Jesus saying? Is he saying that you need to go into pest control and reptile management? No, he is not. He is saying... I am going to give you authority over the demonic realm. And he calls it serpents and scorpions. Okay? Now, I want you to see something. Let's just look into Luke chapter 11. This is Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 11. And Jesus says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a what? Instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? He's saying it's not demonic when you ask God for the Holy Spirit. God is not in heaven going, oh, I'm going to play a trick on him. I'm just going to give him a demon. That's not God. Do you see it here? It's clear in scripture that when you pray and you seek the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get a demon. When you are genuinely seeking God, you're not going to get a demon. He said, even evil humanity wouldn't do that. And he's a good God. He knows how to give good gifts. That's what he describes the Holy Spirit as. A good gift. I got to say though, those, those teachings about the demonic and things. I honestly didn't pray in the Holy Spirit for nearly a decade. 
As a 12-year-old boy, I walked into a service in Carpenter's Home Church, and I can remember them praying from the stage. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you ask him now, and he will come into you, and you'll begin to hear a prayer language, and you just go ahead and speak that out. I remember this as a 12-year-old boy. I remember the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and I heard this language on the inside of me. But all that teaching about that stuff is the devil. The miracles are the devil. Christian radio is the devil. The drums are a devil. You know, all that stuff came back in one instance. And I, and you know what I did? I'm not saying that. I don't know what that is, God, but we're going to keep that down. And it wasn't until I say it this way, in, when I was age 21 and all things became new. That means when Jesus became more valuable than anything else in my life, that I began to release those tongues that were on the inside for nearly a decade. They weren't held up by God. They were held up by me. And they were held up by boundaries in my mind. And listen. If you're here today and you felt some of those boundaries and you've, you've been bouncing off some of those walls, listen, God's good. And he's patient. But if there's a door in that wall, open it. And let him in. I have this one question as I'm wrapping this up. Why is it this one area that meets so much resistance? We're like, healing, great. Faith, awesome. Prophecy, wonderful. Tongues, <laughs> Could it be that it is, as James described, an issue about the tongue? In James chapter 3, we find out that the scripture says, no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Notice what it says. No man can tame the tongue, but God can. Man can't do it, but God can. And it could it be that the tongue under the control and walking in step with the spirit has the ability to release the life of God into your family, into your church, into our community? Could it be there is so much warfare on the tongue or this grace of tongues because the devil just doesn't want the message getting out? Don't submit that. All the rest you can have. Have your miracles. Don't submit that to God. Because if you submit that to the Holy Spirit, he, his kingdom just falls apart. Listen, God loves you and he'll overcome your walls. I'll share one last story. There was a young lady here a few years ago um, who had been abandoned by her family. She was in foster care. Uh, when she walked around, she always held her stomach, had all kinds of stomach issues, uh, all kinds of uh, just these mental barriers and walls because of the situation that she had come through. And, and believe me, uh, uh, 
Pastor Carl and Megan and myself and my wife and many other leaders poured into this young lady, prayed for her and helped her uh, walk through graduating from uh, Crystal River High School. And then we were praying and we're like, oh man, this girl, if she's going to go to college, man, it is going to be miraculous. It is going to be divine intervention. And all of us thought the same thing. She needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit to break the spirit of fear that's resting on her, to break this, this thing, this orphan spirit that she always thinks she's about to be abandoned. And so I remember that we were in a, a service with Dean Niferatus, who's been here several times, awesome evangelist, seen uh, millions and millions of people baptized in the Holy Spirit. We we're in this meeting uh, at Carpenter's Home Church, and there were thousands of young people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, I'll never forget it. We were praying for this young lady and um, laying hands on her and believing God and nothing's happening because she won't open her mouth and she's embarrassed and she's just, you know, there's all these walls up and all of a sudden God gives me a picture in my spirit. And I said, hey guys, uh, I want you to stop praying for her. I said, you can continue to pray for her, but it's not happening tonight. You see, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that she would be laying down in her bed, face down in her pillow, when she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and began to operate in the grace of tongues. Well, she graduated high school, went off to the freshman year of college, and a few months into the freshman, uh, that her freshman year, I got a phone call. And she said, Pastor Otis, Pastor Otis, you will not believe what is happening. And I'm thinking tragedy. I'm thinking something is wrong. She said, last night I had a dream and I was in this service and there was this glorious choir singing in this service. And all of a sudden, a cloud started peeling off the stage over the singers and it worked its way down the steps, come up the pew, overwhelmed me. And in the dream, I began praying in other tongues. And then I woke myself up in my dorm room, face down in my pillow, praying in other tongues. Now listen, God is good. And today, I don't know where you're at. And what you see in the scripture of what you've experienced... But God's good and he'll overcome every wall. Even if he's got to put you to sleep to get your spirit to pray. He'll do it. He's good. I could tell you a story of a girl who got born again in her sleep. Some other time. You're like, man, is that biblical? I watched, I saw it. And I want to just maybe just echo the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I wish you all spoke in tongues. That's what he says. I wish you all prayed in tongues. And as a pastor on staff, I wish you all prayed in tongues. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? It's a gift. It's, it's God's goodness. It's an opportunity. It's a benefit. 
I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.